Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. I'm Sam Wan and every week I sit down with one of some of my favourite people and we talk about everyday things and their experiences. We explore interesting stories, sad moments, and we delve into thoughts and feelings that affect all of us. We laugh, we cry, and we remember, all the while asking what we can learn from one another. Today, I have with me my good friend, Luke Peterson, music teacher and electric guitarist of the band Broadland Trio. He's going to be talking with us about failure and that the failures he experienced in life and how they have shaped and affect how he lives today. So grab your cup of Earl Grey and join us for another Conversations with Earl Grey. Luke, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know a little bit about it. You love gaming, you love playing, you love drinking sake. You're a little bit of a of a of a weeb is it called a weeb um Um, i wouldn't know but yeah sure uh so tell us a little bit about yourself um well the sake drinking is uh only a recent establishment for me uh just picked up a random hobby and you know it was initially going to be wine tasting but uh very quickly i just saw like a bottle of sake and it was like man this is a really cool looking bottle i'm gonna try it yeah and uh yeah um, anyways, that's a bit of pointless. Uh, yeah, and what did you do? What What do you do with yourself? You're a music teacher in the in a, uh, no the west Western Sydney. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, tell us about your journey to becoming a music teacher. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I originally was in a jazz performance degree um, because from a young age I really wanted to be the best guitarist. Um, yeah, I thought, you know. That's what I was going to become, that I was, uh, if I practiced hard enough, if I uh, just did my best, spent the hours every day, um, I would become the best guitarist. But it didn't happen. <laughs> um, and I think that's okay. But yeah, I guess my process, my journey to get to that point in realization um, kind of started through influences such as like Tommy Emmanuel and there was a guy named uh, Joe Robinson who won Australia's Got Talent and um, me as like a 13 year old kid uh, I looked up to that guy and I was just like man he he's such a good guitarist I want to be like him um, and his influence was Tommy Emmanuel and yeah just over many years I just kept on practicing and practicing um, I was inspired by people saying that they practice many hours a day and um, I challenged myself one day actually to uh, practice 12 hours in one day and I even took my guitar to the bathroom with me. It's actually pretty gross now when I <laughs> think back. But um, but it's good acoustics, right? Yeah, it was amazing reverb. Uh, you won't know until you try it. But um, yeah, it's, it was... Uh, Those things that I... I learned through that type of practice, but there was also things that I wasn't so successful during that type of practice. And I look back now and kind of like, that was probably the worst thing I could have done, um, just having mindless practice. But yeah, I eventually uh, finished school, took a gap year, practiced really hard. Um, had a, I, I got private lessons with a guitarist named Guy Straz. He's 
phenomenal guitarist. And he got me into the con, and as well as my hard work. And um, as soon as I got to the con, I was like, man, I've made it. I've made it into the, the Sydney Conservatorium, jazz performance degree. Now I'm going to become the best guitarist in Sydney. And I got there and every guitarist was better than me. <laughs> and it felt horrible. Um, Why did it feel horrible? I think because I had this dream of becoming the best guitarist. Um, and it just kind of got shattered. I was like, these guys are so much further ahead than me. Um, and I struggled with that throughout my jazz degree. Um, a lot of my uh, self-worth was tied up in my guitar playing. And when I watched other people, I was inspired, but I was also comparing myself to them. And when I go perform, I was so critical of myself that, um, yeah, it just... I couldn't execute what I wanted to do on the stage and every performance was a horrible performance for me. Um, and it wasn't until, like I had a big life event that happened um, and it actually made me feel like I was going backwards in guitar. And it made me question everything. And so um, I guess I started to think about changing degrees. Um, I didn't want to be a performer because I felt like I wasn't adequate enough. I wasn't, uh, I guess, at the standard that everyone else was at, even though I wasn't really that far behind when I look at it now. Um, and so I made the, the, the change last moment in my degree, last possible moment it was actually worth changing into the music education degree. Um, and yeah, that is how I became a music teacher. <laughs> Do you regret that choice or is, was that a great decision? I think at first I was a little bit scared. I was kind of like, oh man, I'm kind of giving up on a dream. Well, I felt like I was giving up on a dream at the time. Um, but as I went along in the degree, I haven't looked back. It's been great. Um, I've really enjoyed meeting different people from different uh, musical backgrounds because the education degree uh, consists mainly of classical musicians and also contemporary musicians and um, yeah me being a jazz I was like uh, the only jazz dude in my cohort uh, it was just great to get different ideas about music and the lecturers were phenomenal uh, James Humberstone, Michael Webb Kathy Marsh. I looked up to these guys. Um, yeah, I, my respect for them was just amazing as the degree went um, along. And uh, yeah, I was really encouraged by them um, and I guess nurtured by them to become the music teacher and the, I guess, musician I am today as well.
So tell us, a lot of the times people say that those who can't teach. <laughs> but in a way, you, 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 even though you, you saw yourself com- comparatively as lesser to those around you in the mm. guitar degree, you're still a performer today. Yeah. Uh, you still go around on gigs. Yeah. So tell us about how you moved from seeing yourself as unable to perform and having that kind of stage fright mm. of comparative stage fright to now being able to to perform and enjoying performance. Because I was at one of your performances yeah. uh, with your band, broad band trio. the Broadband broad Trio. <laughs> Is it all right? No, no, the broad. broad... <laughs> yeah, when we, when we made the name... Uh... One of our members was like, it's going to sound like Broadband and everyone's going to get confused. But we're called Broadland Trio. The Broadland Trio, which, yeah. which I love some of the music there with, um, with the fiddler. What's, what's his name? Uh, James Gassner Hills. Yeah. He's a Scottish fiddler. He actually lived in Scotland for a while. And uh, yeah. How did you move from being a scared <laughs> person who felt little of self-worth to being able to express yourself again yeah sure um i think i just had to have a massive perspective change and also just going through the experience of failing um and like realizing oh it's okay to fail um and instead of being like oh no i'm a failure uh one of the biggest things that i have learned is to be reflective and be reflective about everything that you do um, be reflective about how you talk to people. Be reflective about, I don't know, how you wash the dishes or even go to the toilet. <laughs> Are you doing it in the most efficient way? But it's, <laughs> it's all in uh, good practice for just, I guess, every life skills or like in things that you find important. Um, so yeah, I don't know, maybe that's going too far, but... So um, it's a it's a bit of a, like a, a posture change, a yeah. posture from um, having your center outside of yourself yeah. to having your center within and being mindful and reflective. Yeah, I think it takes a bit of effort to change your mindset at first, but I feel like it's kind of a snowball effect where you start doing it. And then it grows and grows, and then everything kind of locks into place. perspective changed instead of seeing myself as a failure seeing myself as someone who's not adequate I changed it to seeing it more as like a larger problem and breaking it down into little chunks Mm. um, and being like okay to get to my goal I just need to um, write down things so I journal a lot and I kind of I have this thing called an achievement book where I write down my achievements and they could be small, like I made my bed today or um, big things as well. And so I break down the problem and I kind of think, 
how can I progress today? Or how can I um, get towards my goal little by little? And through doing that, I feel I, um, instead of seeing it as a scary kind of like, I'm terrible at what I do, see it as a challenge and a problem to be solved. Um, and really analyzing and being reflective about what I'm doing, how can I change? Um, it's okay to make mistakes because as long as you learn from it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's yeah. contributed a lot. And also just people around me saying, you're doing a good job. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you, if you fail, just keep going, be reflective. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Tell us, was there a moment where the, the mind shift happened or was it a gradual period of time? I think both. I think, and I'll explain what I mean by both. Um, there was a gradual shift where I, through my experience of failing over and over again, I become more comfortable with failing. I become more um, also capable with what I was doing. Um, and yeah, that just contributed in the long run. But also um, in terms of being a teacher and a performer, I think it comes down to one experience, like changing my mind spec perspective. One experience that I had, and it was one of my prac schools it was a big um, private school in the inner west that I went to. And um, at the time I had a little bit of mental health problems uh, or issues. And I, um, I went into this prac really scared that I was going to fail and I wasn't good enough. And it turned out that I wasn't. <laughs> and You wasn't good enough? Yeah, I, were, I was not good enough. Yeah. Um, and I was really upset about that and the teach or some of the teachers there were not supportive to me and they were asking me like why was it why weren't i getting better um and for me that was partly because of uh, my mental health issues at the time uh, which i i got through um after the prac but um yeah i think that wasn't helpful for me but then i also had one teacher that there who was there, who um, actually, like, she spoke the truth. She, um, you know, said that I needed to improve in these areas. But she also showed me how to do that mm. rather than being like, why aren't you getting better? And, I mean, at the time, I wasn't... Um, I was taking it all personally. But in the next six months after that, that's when I was kind of, like, reflecting about that experience and... How could I have, instead of focusing on all the self-doubt and all that, pushing that to the side and be like, let's just focus. It doesn't matter if I fail now. Let's just get one thing um, and work on that one thing instead of focusing on lots of things. Um, but yeah, I left that prac experience pretty shattered.
Um, and it wasn't until later, uh, actually early the following year, where I went to this conference called the ORF conference. And it was a national conference. And I went there as a student helper. And it's kind of like all these teachers from around Australia, music teachers, or even just teachers, primary school teachers as well, would come to this conference. And people were actually uh, looking at me and being like, you're, you're fine. Someone came up to me and was like, your kids are going to love having you as a teacher. And for me, that was amazing. I was just like, thank you. I really needed to hear that because I had a really bad prac experience where I was told I wasn't good enough. And mm. I was actually told I was going to be failed on my prac. Um, then also, I had another person who was actually one of the leaders of the or presenters. They said, you know, Luke, one of these days, I'm going to see you as the president of the ORF <laughs> Association. I was just like, whoa, that's amazing. Um, and so it was really encouraging for me to have those people say those things. And it, I, going back to that snowball metaphor, it really helps me just pick up momentum and increase, increase in uh, my ability and my self-efficacy um, or just self-belief. And yeah, just it changed my perspective on things. And instead of taking things critically, I was like, well, I have people who have said that I can do these things. And even if I hear my own thoughts that are saying you're not good enough, um, I just need to push them away, as hard as that may be at the time, and just say, no, you can do this. Let's figure out a way how we can do that, Ta taking one step at a time. I think that has been my biggest uh, learning lesson as a musician and as a um, teacher. And so yeah. now, yeah, I, I'm loving um, being a teacher. I love being a performer. And I just try and be reflective as much as I can and reflective about how I can do things better and analyzing the situation, being like, how can I break this up into little chunks? Tell me how that, you, you've talked a lot about these, these, how you change your mind and especially yeah. these goal oriented approaches mm. of, of things. You know, some people say you've got to make your bed in the morning because <laughs> it, it sets your mind right yeah. to having done, achieved something small mm. to achieve things during the day. And you've also hinted at that, that teacher of yours who've made these progressive steps of giving you uh, feedback and a medal mm. for where to go has that affected your pedagogy how you teach um, and yourself as a teacher as you engage with that yeah I, I think it, it definitely has um, I think making sure that I am giving positive feedback 
rather than critical negative feedback. So making sure that when um, I critique a student, I'm not just saying you did this bad <laughs> or you did this wrong, mm. but I'm actually showing and coming up with ways to show them how to break down the thing they're trying to do and um, make steps forward. Yeah. To take action rather than being paralyzed with fear or paralyzed with, um, I guess, not feeling good enough mm. or not knowing what to do. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to teach my students and give them the tools about how to move forward, empower them to... Um, uh, I guess be self-learners and self-critiquers, but in a positive way. Mm. Um, and it's not like um, those who can't teach, <laughs> because you need a lot of skill to be able to assess and analyze where a student, uh, where this student is, mm. to be able to step them forward to where beyond where they need to go. Yeah, for sure. I actually have the opinion that as a teacher, you should be practicing or, or as a music teacher you should be practicing every day you should be still striving to push uh, your skills your musical skills and it's all pardon me all part of the job um, making sure that your skills are up to scratch um, there will be days where you you know feel absolutely drained um, I'm at a school that's challenging with behavior at the moment and sometimes uh yeah, I come home really drained and emotional. Um, but I think um, that kind of saying that those who can't do teach, it's definitely not true. Mm. There are some fantastic teachers. There are, uh, actually, most teachers are fantastic. They are really intelligent people. They are people who put their all in for the job. Mm. Tell me, if, if a student fails horribly, mm. how do you approach that? And where, where they fail horribly and they feel it, you know, that they mm. feel they're a huge failure. How would you approach that or how have you approached that? Yeah, I have uh, one situation in my year 12 music elective class. Um... I've got the boy, these group, I'm at a boys' school, I should uh, clarify. But um, yeah, the boys are pretty talented and um, they're learning how to improvise. And some boys are much more uh, adept at it than others. And I guess um, I have this one boy in particular. He's fantastic at music. He's... Um, you know, he's really good at drums, he's really good at guitar, bass. I think I heard him rapping once, <laughs> but when I got to the door, he stopped. And so he's this really shy guy. He's, he actually, it's, it's kind of funny because he's a really big boy as well. Like he's, um, he's, he's towers over me, but he's really shy when it comes to performing in front of people. And for me, it's just about gradually encouraging him um, saying it's okay to fail, um, making sure that uh, students are kind of aware of that, that it's a safe space in the classroom, and it's actually a time to experiment. And how do you create that safe space? I think 
I fail in front of them as well. I make mistakes while playing. Sometimes they're not even intentional mistakes. <laughs> and I be vulnerable and I be open about that, transparent. And I think through that modeling uh, that it's okay to make mistakes. I make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. They can see that and kind of be like, oh, yeah. So it's kind of showing them what to do once you make a mistake instead of beating yourself up and kind of be like, oh, no, I'm terrible. Being like, let's make up for it and let's try uh, keep on track and help out each other. Let's have that positive kind of environment. Mm. And instead of... I had a U12 group last year who would be like, "Oh, you made a mistake." I was like, "Boys, come on, <laughs> let's let's not uh, let's not do that." But I'd I'd say it in a way, like in a gentle tone, and I'd say it in a way that uh, is kind of like, "Let's let's just make sure we're being positive about this experience." I can't say I've been successful all the time. Sometimes I might say it in a harsh way, but that's where I need to go back and reflect and be like, okay, I said it harshly. How could I have said it much nicer? And yeah, I, you know, there have been times where I had to be go back and apologize and say, I'm sorry I said that in that way. I was meaning it in this way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I know you told me last year was a particular tricky year for you in terms of behavior management. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, uh, I was a first year teacher um, and somehow I landed this uh, permanent job straight out from uni. Really fortunate for that. And um, I guess at the time I didn't realize what the behavior was going to be like at this school. Um, and I, I thought I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't bear with it. But I was really lucky to have a head teacher who was really supportive. His name's Charlie Hill, biggest legend uh, out there. <laughs> um, and he pretty much just, yeah, mentored me that whole year. Um, and when I went to his classrooms, it was so amazing. Despite all the behavior issues I was having and some of the other teachers were having. When I see his classes, they were perfect. Actually, sorry, they weren't perfect. He even admitted that he made mistakes, but he said, uh, it's just about catching yourself, making sure that um, you're reflecting. So he, he's the reason why I have this motto, motto of reflecting a lot as well. Um, and making sure that you actually catch yourself out when you're doing the wrong thing. And um, yeah, I was just so thankful to have him 
and have him model to me how to manage students because it was quite weak at first but as in my personal behavior management but I saw as the year went on it got better and better and um, it's not perfect still but I have noticed an increase and in, um, in how I implement my behavior management and uh, yeah really thankful for Charlie <laughs> did you ever feel like you were a failure yeah there were days um, days where I come home really emotional and there were days where I cried <laughs> um, students you know sometimes got to me they said things that were harsh and you just got to not take it to heart and know that well with the particular school I'm at some of the boys have really tough lives um, and school is that environment for them to be who they are um, and muck around with their friends and it's up to me as the teacher to be gentle with them still professional and uh, strict but being strict in a way that is uh, consistent and gentle um, and so one of the things I really try to do is not raise my voice uh, making sure that um, I have clear instructions to my students that they understand that if they don't follow my expectations there are consequences and making sure that I am very consistent about that that I follow up that I call parents and say let them know when um, their students are being oh, sorry their children are being um, you know a bit of fruitcakes or <laughs> pork chops or whatever you want to call it and um, yeah just kind of um, making sure that I'm following those kind of guidelines that my head teacher just taught me and yeah I think I've definitely noticed uh, that's helped me but I don't sometimes you know I'm a human there are days where there's other issues outside of school that influence me and I'm less patient or maybe I stayed up too late reading a book or something like that <laughs> um, and so on those days I have to be really careful um, and for me I actually uh, because I'm, I'm a Christian um, I be prayerful in those situations and I try to be prayerful as I as much as I can you know I'm, I'm I even fail in that there's days where I don't pray there's days where I don't read the Bible but again going back and thinking okay how can I make sure that I'm fitting those things in and uh, yeah it's, it's been really helpful in those situations where I feel less patient And as a Christian, do you have you ever seen God as a teacher to you? Yeah, um, especially through those times of struggle, um, when things just seem hopeless to me. Um, like I was talking about that period where I have had mental health issues, um, and I actually well I had depression. And I was seeing a counsellor and a psychologist at the time and I was on medication. And through that period of time, I, I just kept on spiralling down and down and thinking I, I, 
I'm not good enough and um, things just seem really hopeless to me. Um, and I think in reflection, after I came out of that, um, I could see all the things that God was doing for me during that time. Even though I may have not trusted in Him all the time during that period, um, it was just great upon reflection seeing that yeah, God was there for me. He put people around me to help me through that situation to unload, pardon me, unload when um, I, I felt really bad to, um, yeah, I, I got a big thing was I had a friend who I used to go walk, walk around the gardens at Circular Quay, uh, the Botanical Gardens, and he just let me talk whatever I felt. And then he also suggested to me to start an achievement book um, where I just write down little achievements and just slowly um, work that momentum up so that I am doing more and more. And um, Yeah, I think it's definitely made my faith in God much stronger through those periods of struggle. Um, and it's really encouraged me now when I do struggle with things to look to God and rely on Him to... Um, be like, he's taken care of me in the past, so I'm going to trust in him now to, um, that he's there for me and will get me through this. Uh, this has been uh, Conversations with Earl Grey, and with me is Luke Peterson. Uh, the music that you hear throughout this podcast has either been composed by Luke Peterson or from his band, the, not the broad band trio, <laughs> but the broad land trio. Yes. Thank you for being with us this week. And it was great for you listeners to be with us as well. And I look forward to seeing you next time.